Sometimes we think of Jesus sometimes as like this mythical figure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what Pagola is trying to get at is, no, he really lived, he really died, and he was really raised from the dead. And one way that we know that that's true, for example, and this, again, this blows me away, is when we look at the life of the disciples. Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples. Mm -hmm. One of them betrayed him. Mm -hmm. The other 11, we know this, they lived the rest of their lives telling others about Jesus, even to the point that they were willing to die for it. And they all did. Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonniewell. Well, welcome back, listeners, to Together. This is another exciting, amazing day to to just explore the world um, of marriage, but also um, explore the world of what it means to walk and be in a relationship with Jesus. Kelly, I remember uh, when you first introduced me to a book that you had written. Obviously, your the credentials, Doctor Kelly Bonnewell, but there's a reason behind that. And, you know, often cases, some some of our listeners may not know this, but when you get to that certain Ph.D. level, you are encouraged to write, um, whether it's a journal, um, a professional you know, bio and or a book. And so um, part of your in part of your exploration of your own relationship with Jesus and the world of marriage and so many other things was to write this book called The End of All Exploring. Um, this was like, I want to say it's like three years ago that I read this book, almost three years ago. But uh, Kelly, talk a little bit about this book called The End of All Exploring. Yeah, Samuel, thanks. And thanks for those kind words. Uh, I read the book and we're going to do a deep dive into the book. And so, number one, for those listeners, if you want a copy of the book, just reach out to Caridata Bible and we'll pop one in the mail for you. Mm-hmm. Um but what happened with me with the book is I read this verse, and the verse talked about Jesus wanting to be friends with us. And we'll again, we'll get into this deeper. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of looking at my, I thought, wow, what's that mean? He wants to be friends with us. And But then as I was looking at my own life and looking at other lives, especially people I was counseling, mm-hmm. I realized, whoa, there's like stages to our faith. Mm-hmm. There's a believer stage, and then there's a a servant stage. Mm -hmm. Those aren't good stages. We don't want to stay there. Mm -hmm. And so that is where the the book came out of. And the the end of all our exploring comes from a T.S. Eliot poem. Okay. And um, I love this poem because uh, Eliot says, We shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. And for me, one of the reasons why I love that poem is Jesus is the end of all our exploring. You don't Mm. need to explore anymore. Mm. He is the end. Mm. And uh, really, that's what the book is about, uh, trying to have people really think and meditate and 
process and proactively deepen their relationship with God. Such a, such an interesting concept because uh, I can rem- I can remember so many people and just humanity who you know feels like everything else is more important, right? Um, the house you live in is more important. The school you go to is more important. The job, getting to the certain level of career that you want is so important. But you're saying that Jesus is literally this piece where you, when you, this is the ultimate pinnacle of what it means to arrive at something. And it is to literally have a relationship with Jesus is what you're saying, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll tell a real quick story, Samuel, where, where my journey began. Yeah. Uh, year is 1986. I'm at a school in Illinois called Illinois Wesleyan. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I mm-hmm. grew up in a Catholic home, but we really didn't take our faith seriously. Mm. And so I definitely wasn't taking my faith seriously. I was making a disaster of my life. <laughs> and uh, I had two very, very important things happen to me. In February of ninth, of that year, uh, I had a friend named Greg Metzger. Hi, Greg. Um, Greg Metzger uh, befriended me, and uh, I'll never forget this moment. I was really into the band U2, mm. and uh, they had a song called I Will Follow, and Greg said to me, oh, uh, Kelly, did you know that that's basically Bono singing about how mm. it's his purpose in life to follow Jesus? And I'm like, that's crazy town. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I had a Panasonic boombox and I had a, the cassette of the album. And we listened to the song uh, and we paused, we wrote down the lyrics, and then Greg explained to me the, the song. But more importantly, he explained to me this concept of having a personal relationship with God. And that really kind of caught my attention. Mm. And so for the next year, year and a half, I explored other religions, I read the Bible, and um, eventually came to faith in 1987. Mm. Also in that year, I had another experience that God dramatically used in my life. Mm. Uh, I had a friend at in college named Laurel, and the night before we were going away for spring break, we were talking about people we could never lose in our life. Like, who's one person you just could never lose? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I shared, at the time I was dating someone, and I mentioned my girlfriend, and Laurel said, I could never lose my brother. Mm-hmm. If I lost my brother, I don't know what I would do. Mm-hmm. Samuel? <laughs> it would be my wife. Over spring break. Yeah. Laurel's brother was hit by a car on mm-hmm. his bike. Mm-hmm. Would have lived Mm. if they would have stopped and he died. And uh, that death hit me really, really hard. That Mm. was probably the very first time I ever heard God's voice. Yeah. And his voice was basically like, Kelly, you don't live forever. And that was the shock to my system, which eventually, again, which we're going to explore through these next three episodes, this relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I think that, you know, and just in context for our listeners, this is going to be a, a very pivotal three uh, episodes, you know, in conversations with you, Kelly, real time, you know, it's so important that even in the context of marriage, uh, we always say, mar- you know, marriage problems are individual problems, but individually, if you're not driven to a relationship with the Lord, in many cases, it only amplifies what you go through because you don't have a course or a particular avenue to see things through. And 
many cases, these stages that we'll talk about over the course of three episodes will kind of help us see where we're at <laughs> mm-hmm. individually. I, you know, I expect people to be like, yeah, I can see how I'm navigating that, you know, and I think in it, you know, we find out that really it's a relationship with God that begins to be the most important catalyst that drives our relationship with our spouses, you know, and helps us grow and helps us learn. And so, you know, I think it's this important piece where if we if we want to have a great marriage, we want to have a great relationship with Jesus. And that's and thus, therefore, why we're talking about this for three episodes. <laughs> Amen. Amen, Samuel. Yeah, I agree with you completely. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, so I think that uh, number one, an important a reason like I want to get personal a second a reason that Jesus is important to me. Number one, I remember. Um, over the course of, you know, probably 10, the first 10, 12 years of my life, you know, I had always gone to church. I, you know, my dad was a pastor, my grandfather was a pastor and all these different things. And I saw what it meant to, in that particular position, be someone that led people to Jesus and experienced a relationship with Jesus at home for themselves. And I would watch my dad, my, my grandfather, literally not only be praying all the time, um, but literally being God's word and it was personal for them. Um, but at the same time, it was like that was their relationship. Mm. And in many cases for people, we don't understand what it really means to have our own relationship mm-hmm. until we come of age. You know, I hear so many stories of people say, yeah, you know, I went to church all the time. I say, OK, that was me. You know, or yeah, I, um, you know, we would when we went out to dinner, we all always pray before we ate. Yeah, that was me. You know, but I think in those particular positions, you come to a certain age. And for me, that was my sophomore year in college, sitting on a stair step after my family had pretty much lost everything. Right. Mm. And in losing everything, I got to have the the better end of the stick by going to college, having scholarships, having all the thing paid for in my undergrad years. But yet on the stairwell looking like, God, how could my family lose all the things that we valued and we appreciated? And, and, and yet here you are saying, I'm faithful to you. I am never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And I had a battle in my mind about what it meant to follow Jesus Cause I'm in my thought process supposed to be all butter, supposed to be all good, right? Mm-hmm. But what about the circumstances of life? And we see so many people in the Bible go through circumstances or go through issues and go through problems, and and yet still remain to the place of I'm following after someone who has really truly never left me, and I met Jesus, and Jesus met me on mm-hmm. that stairwell where I knew for real for sure that I was going to follow after Him for the rest of my life, and in that moment. Jesus and God and their faithfulness to me and who he was, his, 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 just his presence and his individuality to me, those things meant the most. And from that moment of truly accepting and following after him, not just going to church, not just praying a little bit, not just reading scripture when I was in trouble, but literally having a one-on-one friendship and relationship with the Lord was the things that began to drive me from that moment. And that's the moment I can mark in the sand. And I think that is why. Jesus is so important. And thus that leads me to, you know, this particular phrase by N.T. Wright. If you've never read any books by N.T. Wright, amazing books to check out. Um, And uh, one of the phrases that I love that he said, he said this, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Right. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. Hmm. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus and go on looking. Until you're not just a spectator, but you're actually part of the drama, which has him at the center as the central character 
pause. Mic drop. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? I love that quote. Man, Kelly, I'm just like looking at that and it begins to really resonate with me because if you think about all these things, when we really look, you know, upon the characteristics, you know, of who Jesus was and what real relationship looks like, it does start and stop all with him. Thus, it's the end of all exploring. And so like being able to see how that personally has played in my life. And I'm sure many of our listeners lives, you know, you begin to see, OK, oh, all right. Yeah, it's something about following Jesus. And yet, guess what? You don't just you don't just uh, start in this place of friendship. Sometimes you go through these different seasons of mm-hmm. your life where you don't necessarily know what it really means to truly follow him until you find out what it means to follow him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that there's some pieces here that, you know, are really important about when we look at just who the character of Jesus is. Um, let's go Bible a second. Does that sound good? I'd love to do a little yeah. bit of Bible. Let's go Bible. Um, you know, I think uh, there's uh, just a couple of scriptures I want to just point out and and let's talk about them a little bit, uh, Kelly. Um, John 15 and five um, is one of the scriptures and that scripture says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like when when you hear that, I know what I hear. I hear connective tissue, sinew, bone, muscle. Mm-hmm. I, that's what it means when we're really a part of I can't feel myself apart from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like for you, what is that like? What does that do for you? What is well, that? Well, that first that first just blows me away. Yeah. Because of that last thing you read. Yeah. Part from me, you can do nothing. nothing. I mean, think about that. Jesus was a human person, historical. He lived and he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. And I've shared this, you know, before with our listeners and a couple other podcasts. I love what Lewis says, you know, either Jesus was who he, who, who, who he really said he was. Mm-hmm. Or he was an egomaniac and crazy. <laughs> um, so we have to either take him at his word or not. Another scripture, Mark 2. Um, and Jesus, seeing their face, said to the paralytic, Son, you are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Blasphemy, right? Mm-hmm. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And I think that here's another part of our faith where you have people begin to, you know, who are very religious, um, very much, uh, you know, law and order, dun, 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 you know, law and order, you know, mm-hmm. very specific <laughs> to, to, to that piece who are now speaking based out of their relativity to the aspect of what God looks like, you know, and for them that might be. Well, I have to think about this from a position of a box, and I don't know anything about Jesus from a frame of actual true relationship, just the way that I was taught, the religious orders and the frames, and that was the Pharisees. And, you know, we'll get into that, but they don't really understand that they're doing things based off of just custom. I customarily go to church. I customarily follow after God. I customarily do these things. This is the Ten Commandments, and this is all I know. Right. That was the Mm -hmm. Pharisees. But the question remains, do you really know him? Mm-hmm. Right. Do we really know him? And I think that points to that. That scripture points to it. Another scripture that's important is John one. And it says through him, one of my favorite scriptures, actually, Kelly, funny thing is here is 
Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Meaning that when you are truly seeing yourself in your life, uh, you know, a part of God's picture, you start to live your life as if it truly meant to reflect the glory of God, you know, and that will be revealed through you and your works and your relationship in him. And I think that that just speaks so much into what it means again to this aspect of what does it really mean to know him and have relationship with him? And how does that flow throughout the nuances of your life? You know, that's so good, Samuel. Yeah. So I think that, you know, those are really, really powerful verses. And for me, I'm going to have a question for you. And the question would be, uh, you've already alluded to it a little bit, Samuel, but how does Jesus stand out for you? Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, the thing that I've been meditating a lot over the last year or two is I've been reading this book called uh, Jesus, an Historical Approximation. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. by this uh, priest by the name of Jose Pagola, and he's also an archaeologist. And uh, he's literally talking about Jesus. It's a pretty big book, but it's really beautifully written. Mm. Um, But he's basically talking about Jesus as a historical figure. Okay. Because I think sometimes we think of Jesus sometimes as like this mythical figure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what Pagola is trying to get at is no, he really lived, he really died, and he was really raised from the dead. And one way that we know that that's true, for example, and this, again, this blows me away, is when we look at the life of the disciples. Mm. Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples. Mm -hmm. One of them betrayed him. Mm -hmm. The other 11, we know this, they lived the rest of their lives telling others about Jesus, even to the point that they were willing to die for it. And they all did. They were were all martyred. Mm Mm-hmm. And to me, the disciples' lives, as well as Paul's, because Paul, Paul's life ended the same way, um, that is dedication. And on some level, they knew what they saw to be true. Mm. How about you? How, how, how does it stand out for yeah, you? Yeah, I think that for me, there's a space where, you know, where again, we're talking about the relational aspect of what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus had this moment where literally, you know, here is Mary and his and her brothers, or Mary and her, her sons, Jesus' brothers, coming to a particular place where he's sharing the gospel. He's sharing the word of God. He's sharing the kingdom of God. And hey, you're hey, hey, Jesus, your 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 family's here. And he's like, Well, who is my family? Mm. Who 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 is these individuals that say they know me? Mm-hmm. In a sense, and here it is where obviously it's his family. We know that, but in a pray, in a frame, what he does, is he speaks to this aspect of people who follow me, who spend time with me, who have honest, real relationship with me, who are in love with me, and I in love with them. These are the people that are my family, and I think that in it, what Jesus does in that moment, he begins to help us understand as human beings because he lived a full human life. Mm-hmm. Full God and flesh. And in that moment, what he does, he says, listen, there's a lot of people that may call me by my name, mm-hmm. but they don't know me. At the end of the day, there's a lot of people who say, oh, Jesus, I did this in your name. Oh, Jesus, I did that in your name. But I still don't know you. Mm-hmm. There's something about a knowing when you have a true, honest relationship with the Lord. And I hope, you know, when people really hear, whether you say and profess right down that, hey, I'm a Christian, or you're in this particular position where I don't know what it actually means, 
there's this frame of getting to know Jesus in a frame of who he really is. And that's what for me stands out by what he said, by his experience, by his life style and what we get a chance to personify each and every day. So good. Yeah. So let's jump in and we're yeah. going to talk about uh, these different aspects. Yeah. So all of this for our listeners is based on uh, a key verse in the, in the gospels, mm-hmm. uh, John fifteen fifteen. Jesus is at the last supper. Um, and it's his final conversation with the disciples. And if you read John 14, 15, 16, I think they're some of the most powerful, uh, verses in the Bible. Mm-hmm. For me, this is the, out of all of those verses, this is the most powerful verse. He says, I'm no longer going to call you a servant because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. Mm. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the father. Mm. I mean, think about that. This is earlier. We had read in John one through him, all things were made. Mm hmm. This is the creator of the universe saying he wants to be friends with you. That blew me away the very first time I read that. And, uh, and, and also pushed me to make a deeper commitment to him. Yeah. And so with this, uh, but sometimes we can get stuck in our faith, Samuel. Hmm. And the Bible illustrates uh, three different types of relationships that, and we're going to dig into all these Three different types of relationships you can have with them. You can have a relationship with them as a believer. You can have a relationship with them as a servant, or you can have a relationship with that, with him as a friend. Hmm. Spoiler alert: <laughs> You do not want to get stuck in the stage of the believer or the servant. Hmm. Okay. Another way to think about this, Samuel, is in the Eastern religions like Buddhism or Hinduism. There's a moment in which you quote unquote, arrive. Mm -hmm. You got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not like, that's not how our faith is based. Mm -hmm. Um, Every day, uh, number one, there's stages to our faith, but every day I have to decide in my relationship to God, am I going to be a believer today? And we're going to dig into this so listeners, you'll understand what that means. Am I going to be a servant today? And again, we're going to dig into that one too in the next episode. And then finally, in the third episode, we're going to dig into what it means to be a friend of Jesus. Uh, Another one final way to look at this is uh, each of us struggles with one of these types. That's what I've learned. Yeah. Okay. Either you struggle as a believer or you struggle as a servant. And for me... And again, a believer, I'll give a little teaser here. A believer is someone who really just doesn't take their faith seriously. They don't take that relationship seriously. Sure. Okay. That's where I struggle. Yeah. I struggle as a believer. I think I think I do too. You know, I think I, I'll be honest with you, I think I struggle. <laughs> believer and servant. Yeah. You know, because we have these positions in life where things happen and all of a sudden either I'm a law-abiding citizen, <laughs> you know, movie, um, or you know, I'm a place, and I'm a place where I'm, I'm just, you know, okay, I believe, but I don't spend time with them for real, you know, and I think that's definitely me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's why it can be helpful to our listeners because it will by going through this, you can figure out where you struggle, and it can help you figure out where you're at in your relationship with God. Think mm. of it; it's almost like taking a spiritual assessment of yourself. Mm. And so I feel like. And I've discussed this with a lot of different people and 
I really just believe that you have to be honest with yourself to try to figure out where you're at. Uh, with this, uh, it's, it'll show you where you need to grow mm. and where you might typically struggle in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Final point here, and I want to be careful when talking about this, it can tell you where other people are at too mm. in your life. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. Um, you kind of alluded to this uh, earlier, but Jesus, one of the things he did say is he just, he said, just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's how you live your life. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, have you ever heard Samuel out in the world, people who aren't Christians will say, oh, those Christians are so, they're such, they're such hypocrites, <laughs> you know? And, and we do, we see alarming and awful things yeah. that are done by Christians. Yeah. And uh, this is where I think where the rubber meets the road. I'll, I'll give you one anecdote. I worked with a woman who was a Christian, but she was sexually abused by her dad. Mm. And her dad was a deacon. Mm. And whenever I think of her, I think it's a miracle that she's a follower of Jesus. Uh, her story is awful. I'm not going to go into all the details. It's sure. It's in the top three most awful story I've ever heard. Sure. Okay. And on some level, uh, and at this point in time, her dad has since passed away, passed away a long time ago. One of the things I helped to na- helped her to navigate was just because your dad said he was a Christian doesn't make him a Christian. In fact, what I think he was to this day, I think he was stuck in being a servant and mm-hmm. not a good way, mm-hmm. like stuck in a really bad way, which we'll unpeel that and, and uh, look at that a little bit closer in, in uh, the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and just, you picked up on something there. I think there is this aspect of even, even we go, you know, um, post Jesus leaving the earth and what were Christians actually called? They said, Christians were actually, it was called the way, right? Mm-hmm. And the way means lifestyle, means there's daily choices that we use to say, how will I experience and be in relationship with this man who just left earth, who was actually God? And I think that there is a space in our lives where, you know, three stages, three phases, three, however you want to see it, there's this experience where you're making a critical decision to say, you know what? Do I just want to be, you know, a believer and a servant or do I really want to experience true, honest friendship with the Lord? And I think that if we look at this, let's just let's just do a little bit of critical analysis here uh, because we see believer and we see a servant and we often see them as positive, these positive words. Right. Mm-hmm. But let's just if we if we critically analyze what this means, um, at least in this particular podcast, let's look at it from a way of it, as if it was unhealthy mm-hmm. um, or if it was like, let's not stop there. Right. Let's make a decision to look at what friendship is. And so here are two examples from the Bible. I think that really stand out to me and maybe even to you, Kelly, um, in the frame of what this looks like. When we think of uh, the word believer, you know, James says, you know, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So you telling me, well, I believe in Jesus. Well, so do the demons, and mm. so does a whole lot of other people. Even people of other religions and faiths believe of Jesus and that he was a man and that he walked on earth. So what makes that any different from how you walk and do your relationship? A lot of people believe. 
Mm-hmm. All right. But then there's also this aspect of the word serpent. And, you know, it's, you know, it's basically, I think, equivalent to the word slave. Um, and so this is this is not, I think, in that the type of relationship that we want to have with the Lord where we're just a now, Paul, Paul did say, hey, I am a bond servant to the to the Lord. He did say that. But it was an analysis of what it meant to be in relationship. He had for so long not been in a relationship with the Lord. And so therefore he felt, you know, and I'm personalizing this. He felt like, man, I got to make it up. And so mm-hmm. being a, I believe not only a son, but actually being a Pharisee himself, mm-hmm. you know, being in those, that was his frame. And we have to kind of think about these individuals who were human beings that lived around Jesus' time in context of the words that they used and how they began to follow after Jesus. You know, but ultimately, you can see Paul even in his life. Paul's one of the favorite characters. I think it's one of your favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But we see how in, a, in, in an attempt of his own relationship, he wanted to really truly experience what friendship looked like. But his frame and his education had always been this. I have to be a law goer. That's why I'm killing Christians out here as Saul mm-hmm. <laughs> until he had the experience of Jesus saying, stop persecuting me. I actually want to have a relationship with you. Now I'm going to knock you off the donkey so you can be blind so you can go get some help. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> in that moment, like he's like, yo, I want to have a relationship with you. And I think if we think about the creator of the universe, that is what he wants to do. He wants to be your friend. Um, so kind of let's jump into this aspect of what a believer might be in real time. That'd be right? great. Yeah. In real time. I think here's a couple, uh, characteristics or thoughts about what a believer may look like. You're like, all right, Sam, get to it. What are you saying? What are you, what are you trying to tell me right now? You know, if you're cussing at me through the podcast, I'm so sorry. Um, but I love you and I'm doing this out of love. All right, here we go. So, you know, a term may, a uh, term that you may have heard, you know, would apply to, to maybe the believer, you know, phase or the believer decision that you da- make daily is this a- aspect of being a nominal Christian. What do you mean by that? A nominal Christian. What is a nominal Christian? I think a nominal Christian is one is, is is a person or a Christian who rarely goes to church, right? Who is probably someone who would say, ah, which religion am I on this piece of political paper? Oh, I'm a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. or um, is someone who would probably maybe even be not really a practicer of the faith, right? We talked about the way who doesn't really follow that lifestyle, but is swayed by the social norms and comfortability in those social norms. In fact, you probably have a lot of people that would be like, you know, in this particular day and age that I'm not a Christian, but I was raised Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what is that? That was me. What was me. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like I was raised, but you know, I, you know, I don't know if I identify with that because you're, you're, you're swayed by the social norms of the age. And I think that, you know, it's like John Mark Comer, um, you know, great author, um, God has a name, right? Yeah. And who actually said, Jesus is basically your hobby, Mm. a hobby of following after the greatest man who ever lived. That sounds horrible, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's it's real because we're being real in this moment. I think, too, we think about what are different examples of of believers in the Bible. You have Esau, who was the brother of Jacob. Father of the Edomites, you know, you can find that in Genesis 25, 27 and so on, you know, where he lives a lifestyle that just is maybe, oh, yeah, I believe in the way of of my forefathers. Right. But I don't necessarily always follow it. Mm -hmm. We go on to see him do other things in his life. Look at King Saul, you know, the predecessor of King David, predecessor of the kingdom of Judah and Israel. Right. And and, in first Samuel and how he lived his life and how he was tormented 
and decided to not follow after the way of many of the people that came before him, you know, and the people of Israel. But I think we have to even go to a specific example when you talked about the 12 disciples, Kelly, and how, you know, there was one. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about him a lot. <laughs> there was one who, who, whose name is Judas, Yeah, you know, who decided that, you know what, um, I'm going to hang out with Jesus, but I really don't want to experience what true friendship is with him. And like, I know you said you're going to talk about him, so we'll save, the, we'll save that. Um, but I think that Here's some encouragement, like if you ever have picked up a Bible or if you have ever really wanted to examine what scripture says, like these are some great scriptures to kind of start and study and check out in terms of people who were saying, hey, these are people who were kind of stuck, you know, in a believer phase. And I'm sure there's many more, Kelly, that you can share. But uh, I wonder, like in, in some cases, if like me and you, we, you know, may have been raised in Christian homes. We may have been raised in a place where. We truly never integrated the faith to be our own until we came to something or something happened or something began to become real, real to us, very real to us. Uh, and, and, and us making then a daily decision to truly follow him um, and not just one day of the week. Because a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of people go to church, Kelly. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of married folk. We, yeah, we go to church. We're attending Ada Bob Church. Right. We're attending so-and-so church. Right. OK, great. That's a great step. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Yes, keep coming. Yes, keep praying. But continually experience what a real relationship with the Lord is. A lot of people believe. Remember, demons believe it. Mm -hmm. But there's something more to that. And I think that that's where we get to the space where, you know, there's some questions that we have to ask ourselves, Kelly. Um, There's a question that, that, that we have to ask ourselves daily. And, you know, is it that God really wants to help us in our life? Do we proactively let him help us? Right. Do we do we really allow, you know, God to be truly present in our life? Right. And then second and then thirdly, like, uh, you know, sometimes I know we sometimes feel like <laughs> our relationship with the Lord is is transactional. Quid pro quo. God, if you do this, well, then I'll do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> How many? I know I've done that throughout. Been there, done that. Right. All my life. You know, God, if you uh, if you heal my father, Lord God, you know, from from being sick and disease, I can remember this moment. God, if you heal my father, you know, I, I'll I guess I'll become a pastor and a preacher. That was my story. Mm. My dad passed. But guess what? I'm still doing it because I wanted to be obedient to God. <laughs> but I knew that in my relationship with him, I said, Lord, it was never about you healing someone or you, you know, taking a moment to, you know, meet my prayer request. It was a fact that, no, son, if you want to follow after me, you'll do the things that please me. It's not about position. It's not about authority. It's about, you know what? There's some things that I want to do inside of you. But will you submit to my will and my way in a relationship with me? It's not about your father. That's just me being personal for a moment. No, but like, thanks, Samuel, you for know, being vulnerable about that. You know, but because again, yeah. I think, uh, I think with with these stages, yeah, believer and servant in particular, we all can struggle in them. No yeah. one is exempt. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Just me being honest. You know, I think you know, and me kind of going on a tangent and sharing. But sometimes in those moments, it's those little things that we do. In our in our belief <laughs> that begin to stand out in moments of our lives. And we then have to truly ask ourselves questions that help us begin to find clarity in in our process of experiencing a relationship with the Lord. And I think the final characteristic I think of a believer, just to kind of bring this back, is that if God isn't just number one in your life, something else is. 
I heard, uh, I think it was a pastor by the name of Mike Todd. He was sharing um, on one of his churches, on one of his services. He was sharing like, do you know that your family can become God? Mm-hmm. Do you know, of course, that your job can become God? Do you know when you were sitting and going to the NFL game and watching the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders play that that in that moment can become God? And so, so many things become idols in our lives. And there's a beautiful song that talks about, you know, idols and how we set the stage in many cases and allow things to just become the thing that we worship because truly what we spend the most time doing are things that often cases become gods in our lives, our own selves. We can become gods in our lives. We have the ultimate knowledge. We don't know wrong. We know what to do. But then in our pride, we didn't humble ourselves and submit to the Lord God Almighty. And in those frames, man, I think there's so many things that become God in our lives that we don't submit to the actual lordship of Jesus and follow after his way. Those are some really good key examples of what uh, a believer might look like, Samuel. And uh, in a little bit here, we'll go over some key questions maybe you can ask yourself. But before we get there, I have two thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I've shared this concept with a lot of different people. Again, you kind of almost have to look at this as a kind of a spiritual assessment. Like, where am I in my my relationship with God? (laughs) One of the things I've noticed is that I would say 90% of the time when I share this dynamic with clients that I've seen or people that I've pastored at ADA, believers 90% of the time know they're believers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, servants, that's a different story. But believers know that they're believers. And we'll get to some key things that if you're stuck there, we've got some things that you can do to push through mm-hmm. and, and, and deepen that relationship with God. But before we move on, I do, I, I'm glad you brought up Judas because Judas is the perfect model of the believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judas was a disciple of Jesus. Jesus's. He hung out with them probably maybe for the full three years that Jesus was doing ministry. Um, and he also models for us that he, that God wasn't number one in his life. And we have some clues to that and a couple of different stories that the gospels share. One story is, uh, we know this about Judas. We know that he was astute at handling money, Mm -hmm. even to the point Jesus makes him the treasurer of the group. Mr. Accountant. He is the accountant. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But on some level, I think money was Judas's God. Mm. So we have this scene in the Bible, uh, and it's in the Gospel of John, and John adds his own kind of editorial on it. Uh, it reads, uh, being upset when Mary, he's upset, Judas is upset. Mary anoints Jesus with all this oil about right before, not soon before he's going to die. And John says, Judas, uh, is upset about this and he did this he's upset he's like hey wait guys guys stop stop don't you're wasting money Mm. that's like a year's wages and uh john makes this editorial he said this not because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief Mm. and having charge of the money he used to help himself to what was put into it so on some level money was a god to judas and then this all culminates in his greatest weakness and failure. Yeah. Betraying Jesus. Mm. Um, because, and this is an important part. 
believers sometimes have a hard time with core convictions, like doing mm. what's right, even if it costs you. Say more about that, Kelly. Well, with Judas, um, again, Samuel, he's a man who's hanging out with Jesus. He's seeing him do all these miraculous things. Mm -hmm. He's watching him do all these amazing teachings. Mm -hmm. And there were thousands of people who were following him. Mm. He's seeing all this firsthand. He's got the front row seat. Okay. But, and we're not quite sure why he did this. Uh, probably the biggest reason is he did it for money. Mm -hmm. But he gets the religious leaders poking at him and basically saying, hey, if you betray him, we'll give you some moolah. Mm. And, uh, and so this ties back to the money part for Judas. And I do. I think for believers who are really stuck, the big thing you've got to ask yourself is money, my God, is whatever that means is money my god because mm -hmm. that that's judas's story and sadly he gives jesus up for 30 pieces of silver which is about a half a year's wages so that's i never knew what that meant i'm it like was about a half a year's half wages. A year's wages so in a way wow. it's a lot of money you know it's a half a year's wages <laughs> that's kind of nice yeah right? really nice yeah mm. but you gave up the creator of the universe wow. for a half a year's wages. Wow. So I think when we think of Judas, I love this quote I came across. Hmm. Um, God draws, but he draws the willing one. Hmm. God draws, but he draws the willing one. So for all of us, we have to be willing. And I think that's a key thing. So let's... Um, if you are stuck in belief, here are some key things uh, maybe to change the course. What might be one that you would give? Yeah. Yeah. I guess if I think about it a little bit, um, number one, like we've been kind of pointing to it, but uh, we need to take our relationship with the Lord seriously, right? Which means that you are taking a daily approach to invest in your relationship. If you were married, you wouldn't want your spouse, let's say, I mean, you might travel a lot depending on what your job is, whatever it is, but you wouldn't want your spouse to go a day without truly thinking about them mm -hmm. and truly experiencing some type of communication with them if you're married, right? So in the same frame, in a relationship with Jesus, you would invest daily somehow in a relationship with them. That's so a great one. I think we had to look at where we spend our time. You know, they say where your time is, where your treasure is, where your talent is, that is what you truly appreciate in many yeah. cases and if you don't spend time talent treasure money all the things in a true relationship with the lord guess what that's probably a place you could start so maybe a devotion you know maybe it's a place where you are literally taking time in the morning to have a true praying worshipful time with the lord whatever that it looks like for you but i think that we had to look at what our time is that's a good one yeah so for me um and this kind of ties it to that, but maybe more, a little bit more on a positive side. Yeah. Uh, it's really important to know that God is present with you every day mm. and wants to be an active part of your life. Mm -hmm. um, be mindful of him throughout the day. Again, mm -hmm. I, I shared this in our opening episode of season two. Uh, God is super relational. He wants a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. 
And so another way to maybe do that, I love what Jesus says. He says, Matthew in Matthew 21, 22, he basically says, asking you shall receive. He says that multiple times. Mm. I mean, this is, this is God, your father who wants to bless you. And so pray and expect. It's really important to pray and expect. Now, I'm not talking about a health and wealth gospel <laughs> that God's necessarily going to make you a millionaire. Name but, it, claim it. Yeah, name it, claim it. We're not, we're not, we, we don't believe that. But I do believe firmly mm-hmm. that God is a good giver of gifts. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that over and over in my life. Mm. Samuel, uh, I told you that story when I was making a disaster of my life in 1986. Mm-hmm. Uh, summer of 1987, I was homeless pretty much. Mm. Okay. And with where I am at today, like you mentioned, I have a PhD. Yeah. Samuel, I was not a good student in high school. (laughs) Okay. If you would have told me, Kelly, you are going to go get a doctorate degree. Uh I'd have been like, you crazy. Okay. And and the, where all of this comes from is in part God taking care of me. Mm. And that's what he wants to do with each of us. Mm. He draws to you as you draw to him. Yeah. Oh, man, that's, that's good. I think another one I could think of too, Kelly, is to, for us to really look at our friendships. Um, I think one of the first questions that we should ask is how healthy are my friendships? I think especially as it applies to um, us both encouraging one another spiritually, you know, I can imagine uh, throughout the course of my life where I had some really crummy friendships with people. Right. And we didn't encourage each other. We didn't affirm each other. We didn't hold each other accountable in many times. You know, Me this too. Is, Me you too. Know, we, we've been there and it didn't do anything from our relationship with the Lord at all. You know, and I'm sure it didn't do anything for theirs. But I can also count on those friends, you know, especially freshman year in college. Now, college is it's a long time ago for me, you know, even longer for you. Ha ha. But, uh, <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha. Um, but I think in the context of that, I remember freshman year and again, you know, our family lost a lot and we were trying to figure out, you know, what it looked like living in another city. And I'm in college. I got out the, the good end of the stick and. And here was a guy, one of my freshman teammates at Grand Valley. He was like, Sam, where you go to church? At that time, I had stopped going. Mm. And, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm straight on church right now. Um, I'm, I'm good on that. I, I'll read the Bible. You know, I got a relationship with the Lord. But me and him, we, we fighting right now. And, and then he's like, Sam, man, just, hey, let's, let's, let's start a Bible study together. Start a Bible study. I'm doing it for myself, but with other people. Because I didn't understand accountability. I didn't understand true friendship. And in that moment, I said, okay. Started a group on campus. Inspired men of purpose, amendment, conduct, and truth. Impact. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this. And we started to have this Bible study. All of a sudden, all these these brothers started showing up and growing. And on all the case, I'm still struggling. And I'm like, all right. But it was those group of guys going into my sophomore year where I had that experience on the stairwell that began to be an encouragement for me of, man, we got to pray. We got to get word. We've got to talk about this thing because if it's really real, it's real to us. And that's sometimes the power of what friendship looks like when we're having these experiences that actually hold us accountable to the place of, hey, you want to move beyond just believing in someone this is what this looks like, and this is going to help you when you have people that are doing it with you. 
that you're in relationship with. And I think that helps you emotionally. It helps you mentally, psychologically, but it helps you spiritually. And those things began to be paramounts for my life. And also it helps us understand what influencing looks like. It helps us understand what a true church community looks like. And that's what helps us grow. Kelly. That's so good. Yeah. Samuel. Yeah. yeah. Friendship. And uh, and again, uh, you know, if you're kind of feeling like, oh, maybe I am stuck in this believer stage, uh, you know, look at your friendships. Which ones are, you know, the best, the most important people in our life are mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually healthy. Mm -hmm. And do an inventory of your friendships. Like, who do you spend time with? So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I'll mm -hmm. give you one more. Yeah. You want one more? Yeah, do it. Okay. Uh, and that is, uh, for believers, I really encourage them to push into their faith and learn more about mm. your faith and mm -hmm. learn more about Jesus. And that will solidify your faith even more. Uh, this was key to me. I've mentioned it many, many times. C.S. Lewis was huge in my faith. And, uh, because of that, uh, I learned that my faith stood on solid ground. It mm. wasn't just like this make believe. It was, I wasn't, I wasn't following Zeus, you know, I was following a real person sure. who was living and breathing mm. and even living and breathing now. Mm. And so, um, educate yourself and, uh, find something, find some good books to, to just kind of go deeper in your relationship with God. Mm. So what I hear you saying in the entire context of everything that we've talked about over this 45 minutes is don't just follow Jesus. Don't just don't just don't just believe in him, but truly follow him in a way that's I'm not just going to stop at belief, but I'm going to have and want to have true time, talent, treasure, experience, friendships that wrap around my community, myself wraps around growing in a relationship with Jesus, because this is this is a start. This is where we go from here. Absolutely. And guess what? Listeners, if you're hearing this. While we're at the end of this, we've got two more good ones for you that we're going to start talking about and expanding upon, not just believing, not just serving, but how do we get to this thing where we're actually in true friendship with Jesus? So next time, check out the next episode of this where we talk about what it means to be a servant. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope that you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your listening platform is and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.